great events create great brands. And it takes a village to put on an event that engages, excites, and connects audiences to your brand. And we're that village. I'm Alyssa. I'm Paulina. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Great Events, the podcast for all people interested in events and marketing. Hi, everyone. What is going on in the wide, wide world of events? I'm Rachel, and we have the full podcast hosts on today's Great Events podcast. Tis the season, dressing festively. Um, This will be our final podcast for the 2022 season, and what a journey. So we thought we could close this year talking about how we are closing out the year, but also talk about a few trends that we have coming in 2023 that we want to share with you. I'm sure you're experiencing it if you're an event prof or hospitality professional, but um, yeah, we did a whole ebook on basically trends that we see coming and we thought we would take our hot takes on those and share them with you, share some of the the top ones that we see. So let's dive right in. I want to talk about the surge of future bookings. I think it's no surprise that uh, events and um, we're back with a vengeance, I want to say, in Q4. Um, I know that research firm Nolan released its monthly meetings and events data this month and for the first time since the pandemic, um, meetings in November versus November 2019 were much higher. I think they saw a 3% bump in more in-person events in November versus 2019, which is an awesome trend to see. And then also the average number of people increased. So that's just like showing you where we're kind of headed. I think this whole year has been about that. And so it's no surprise that that is a huge trend for next year. What do you guys think? Yeah, I was going to say... I almost think that's been like we've talked about it consistently, right? Like since like April, May time frame, we've been like events are back, baby. I think like if we could title the entire year, like this whole collection of podcasts this year, it's events are back, baby. But moving into next year, I think the fact that everybody's now back to in-person seemingly so that what, what this data is pointing to space is now really hard to come by. It's a scarcity. And so getting ahead of it, I think, is really like if if you don't have space for next year, it's going to be really hard to source for that. So Something that everybody should be aware of is that, you know, in-person is is back with vengeance. I heard a customer call it a surge again. So the pendulum's almost swinging in the opposite direction at this point. I think maybe by the end of next year, it will level out so that there will be, you know, we're not fully back. It's not everything's in person now, right? But yeah, it's just like an interesting um, pendulum type yeah. of a scenario that we're in in reaction. I think my favorite uh, term I heard was revenge events. Like all the events that we didn't get to do in the last like two years have reared its head and they're coming back. And I kind of love that revenge events. I do too. I think the other piece of it is, you know, M&E teams are supporting other types of events, right? So we had an entire episode around the return to office and, you know, there's this whole other scope of what events include now. And I feel like that is very much mapped to this this return to events, I think it's part of the surge. It's the new scope of what events look like for us going forward. Yeah, not to like jump around, but I think to me, that is a huge trend opportunity in 2023 is working more closely with um, employee engagement teams, whether that be your human resources department, or maybe it's just an administrative function if you're a smaller organization. But I do think that there's an intersection between employee experience, this EX conversation that's being talked about within a lot of CEO circles and where that meets with events and how events can really help drive the engagement strategy across an organization. We've done a lot of podcasts on that this year, um, but I do think that 2023 is going to be really where internal events kind of 
have a moment, a moment in the sun, because there has been a loss of connectivity within organizations just based off of the nature of remote work. Um, events play a huge role in that. So I think that'll be a big one for 2023. I think that investment's really smart for companies right now, given the, the change of landscape. Employee morale is something people need to invest in. They've probably seen that with the shifting of roles and different org charts across the board. I think we're looking at different roles within our organization. We've shifted our team multiple times to absorb, like Paulina said, like we're doing things that are almost in the HR field sometimes where we're involved in these internal events and we're in those discussions. So it's a lot of that within our role. I'm excited, but it's it's like that anticipation of the surge or the wave or whatever you want to call it for next year. Like the fact that 83% of planners expect to host more in-person events next year versus 2019 is just, um, is, is really exciting. I'm going to look at the positive of it. I'm choosing the positive versus the everybody freak out, light your hair on fire, run away. It's like, let's look at the positive thing that that this is helping. I think that the one thing I will say, and this is the elephant in the room a little bit, I know everyone's mentioned the R word, recessions and things like that. But I think what this trend and these reports are showing is that people need events to drive business. They learned that during the pandemic. And so I'm, you know, hoping that any recession doesn't, doesn't run into this. And I think we, We'd be dumb not to mention it because it, it, it is a potential on the horizon. Um, but I do think that event professionals are feeling very, very hopeful because they do know that it drives business. They do know that their companies value these things to get deals done, to get business done, to get relationships, network, employee morale, insert any value prop here kind of thing. But this is this is important. And um, I think it's more important with the in-person events than we've ever seen before. I think one of the kind of next on our list here to talk about is the expectation now that M&E teams are going to have to report that success back upwards. We've talked a lot about ROI within our own marketing organization, that content that we put out in market all the time. But um, I think it's now we were trying to help evolve the planning function for a really long time. I think the planning function has really arrived. It's earned its seat. And now there is this expectation to be able to prove what's working and what's not working, especially when there is this looming recession behind the scenes. If you can't talk that language of the C-suite or the language of your executive board team, programs will get cut. You know, what Rachel was just saying, yes, everybody knows that there's business value, but you have to have that bean counter mentality to be able to say, this is the value we got out of the program. So it's good. It's a positive time to be an event professional, to be in this space, because there there is money to invest here. I think everybody knows that meetings and events matter, but I do think that we have to be able to speak that language, too. And so there's this heavy emphasis and a renewed focus on on ROI of programs as well. Totally. I agree. And that I would, I'll just say, like, some of the partners and, and hotels that we've worked with have telling us that their operating costs are going up sometimes 50, 100 percent which is wild, like with the costs inflating. So I think it is more important now for the partnership to happen because it's really tough to go to your executive board and show them a 50% increase in costs from the last time you hosted with that property. And so, you know, I think the focus on this is like the experiences. What do you need three-day event or do you need to be a little creative and tap into some of those other formats agreed on the data side, like we need to use that data. But then the other side of this is working with our partners across the space of 
CVB is helping you or DMOs or hotels kind of jumping and saying, okay, we know our costs have increased, but maybe we can give you a little bit of a break on the venue rental or the Wi-Fi. That's something that is not cost for us and help you out on the food increase side. Right, right. Well, and, and calculating ROI, and I think this is like the area where there's a less maturity is on those growth side or the revenue side metrics, right? So we know costs are going to be increasing, but how do we offset some of those with a more evolved way of looking at the value side of the chain? In our instance, whether that's lead volume, cost per lead type metrics, whether it's a number of individuals who are adopted, it's the the values of the deals you're bringing in as a result of your, your business at meetings and events taking place. But it's really, to me, getting really sharp at having that conversation on the full 360 view of what goes into your ROI calculation, which is the cost side of the house, which is going to go up. And it's also the revenue side as well. You know, we're in a a readiness phase too, right? We just finished budgeting exercises. We're looking ahead to the new year from a resource perspective, having those conversations with your partners earlier, with your stakeholders earlier, just being in a more prepared place, I think will also help understand what what those conversations look like as, okay, you know, we have the resources to support a 20% increase in in in-person events, but, you know, we projected a budget that is flat year over year. So we have to be able to speak the speak around the investment, but also know that we can support it from a resourcing perspective too, and trying to get ahead of it. I think that's that's another side of the, the conversation that can be had as we look to 2023 too. Let's talk, let's talk, since we're on venues a little bit too, let's talk about some of the venue selection stuff um, and event formats, because those are some big trends coming out. And honestly, I would say a continuation of trends. I don't think some of these are necessarily new. I just think that the the impact will continue to be felt across the board. I think everyone is a little sick of talking about the triple threat hybrid virtual in person, but it is something that we have dealt with over the last two years, right? We've adapted and put that into some of our programs. And I think that virtual is you know, decreasing, but there are needs for if costs are going up for travel, for example, you know, tr- flights are just astronomical to some places right now. Hybrid might be that option. And just it just depends on what experience you want to have for your employees, attendees, whatever you're doing. I would say over the last two years, it's been all about learning curve and learning and trying to understand. I think the theme for 2023 and Rachel, you said the the triple threat or whatever we're calling it now, is now an expectation that it's part of the function. It's Mm -hmm. these are now three formats that you know how to execute on. You know how to drive value. They're tools in your toolkit. Whereas previously it was, okay, you have to use this tool. Virtual was everything or hybrid had to be. Now it's an option. And it's, it's an option that needs to serve your audience and the right experience that's going to drive the right value out of it um, because you have a little bit more breathing room in this environment that we're in, which allows for all of those different formats. Previously, it was just kind of you only have an option to go virtual or to then pivot to hybrid. So this like notion of it's an expectation that you you are uh, well-rounded in knowing your formats, I think, is the, the change for 2023. I was going down the same thought process there in terms of how we look at our sourcing process, how we develop our RFPs. It's very much a refining period that we're in right now. Like, what can we do to sort of edge ourselves out? Or what can we do that's a little more strategic? And 
you know, just an example, you know, we're talking about our 2024, 2025 conference programs and looking at the RFPs and thinking about, okay, what what are the minimum requirements for live streaming? But then, you know, how are we offsetting, um, you know, carbon footprint? Basically, we're incorporating sustainability as part of our RFP process, right? There are some baseline factors that weren't necessarily a part of what that traditional sourcing strategy looked like because we were in that sort of it's only virtual or it's only hybrid. Now we're able to say, let's get really customized. Let's get really focused on what's important and what helps drive value for our sourcing process. Yeah, and I was going to say, I think you're hitting a good point there, Paulina. Like there's new things that we can consider now, which is related to kind of these like social activist type of conversations. I know I've been a part of a lot of the ESG big picture stuff. DEI is part of that sustainability is part of that. We didn't have the breathing room for that for like, you know, two years prior, right? Like we, it was, it was, a, it was there, it was a conversation, but I think there's a groundswell now that's starting to bubble over because planners are eager to take on more. They're eager to take on the next challenge, which could be these big picture items that make a big difference to not just the planning experience, but to the world, not to sound so cheesy, but these are kind of the next big thing to tackle now that we can breathe again. I hope you guys feel like you can breathe again. I hate saying that because I don't like to put myself in your shoes too much, but I feel that. I feel that people are ready for, okay, what's next? We're like the road runner. We just keep going. Right. Yeah. I mean, I will say like aligning your brand or your company's brand with venues or partners that align with your own is is has always been important, but I feel like now we can quantify it more, mm-hmm. right? Like even with you know, DEI should just be part of your everyday life. Like, I don't think that there should be like quotas or things like that, that you're hitting that this should be incorporated into your company DNA. And that should breathe life through your events and have that showcased in there. Like that should just be part of your core values and in hosting events. And yes, that's still a a good thing. I don't know if it's I think you said this earlier, Pauline, it shouldn't be a trend. This is something that, that should live in an events program. And I think the same is true for the other ESG stuff, the sustainability. I think what's exciting for next year with social activism and the trends there is with like sustainability, for example, we're starting to actually work with companies that can benchmark this data so we can look at year over year trends with how we're doing. Even if you're rating on a, you know, A to F scale, even if your rating is an F, at least you have somewhere to start. And the only way hopefully is up from there. And, you know, just being honest about what you're doing, I think, is going to be a critical thing for people next year. Pauline and I and, and her team are doing some great work there. Like, I think we're not anywhere near where we need to be. I know a lot of other big companies are in the same boat, right? They're like, how do we even start? And we're starting with the big events first, and then we're going to go from there. And there's some things we can do across the board, but I think it was a huge part of this year, but I think it's going to be even bigger next year. Is that benchmarking and knowing that you can get next level? I know there's all other things like certifications coming out. I know EIC just launched a sustainability certification that they're trying to um, get off the ground. You know, it starts a little bit with the venue as well. So there's got to be back to that venue selection partnership. Like it kind of goes all into the same ecosystem and holding each other accountable for those different things within the social activism space. And maybe that's really like the big takeaway for this this big venue selection trend is having that ecosystem mentality 
that kind of everybody has to play a part in achieving some of these bigger picture goals around uh, diversity, equality, or equity and inclusion and, and sustainability too. I think adopting that frame of mind is really helpful when you're going into it, that you're not on an island, that you do need partners in order to achieve this stuff. Speaking of frame of mind, how's everyone's health and wellness? My favorite trend. Paulina started it with a glass of wine, so <laughs> great. So it's great. Everything's great. <laughs> I love that trend. I, you know, we've worked with a couple of partners, you know, for CVEG Connect and stuff and having wellness incorporated is is really nice. Like having having yourself a little break room to just calm yourself for a few minutes. Like, I don't know, like if every event planner feels like this, but the, going back to as many trade shows and in-person events. It's exhausting. I don't know how or where I got the energy in 2019 to do all the things that we did. But now there's just a change in scope and mentality, I think. And and I like it because it's prioritizing some things that are important that we should keep in mind for not just us as planners, but our attendees. I kind of go both ways with this. Like it should be for our teams as well. Like we're, we're making sure we're prioritizing that, but also with our events and making sure that, you know, that's incorporated into our programs. I think, you know, going back to a couple of the episodes we've had more recently, it's also it's perspective shaping, too. Right. It's it's less of this on site activation or perhaps things that we're actively doing or planning. And just thinking about Betsy Paik. Right. And she was one of our guest speakers on a prior episode. Definitely encourage our listeners to to check out her episode because it maybe was less of something that you actually had to do and really a matter of reformatting or reframing how you think about health and wellness or how you think about your stressors as part of your job, as part of your career or as part of your life. And I feel like that is another piece of this sort of health and wellness trend. It's it's less about the activations, about the massages on site, the quiet room, but it's also what are you doing personally to work on how you manage stress or how you manage conflicting priorities or how you manage a team? What are we doing in terms of how we're creating a space to talk about it. And I think this kind of is a nice complement to the ESG piece that we were just talking about, right? Giving organizations, communities a space to talk about what others are doing for health and wellness or how they're maintaining corporate offerings for, for health and wellness strategies. I think it's so much bigger than the on-site experience that we're sort of used to framing it up as. Yeah, I see this being so heavily tied to kind of the great resignation that's going on in the industry as well. And this is this is beyond just event planning, but I think event planning and, and this profession has taken a major hit, certainly the hospitality industry as well. But it's trying to get back to, okay, how do we do our jobs and do them better and not compromise our renewed values towards family, towards self, towards just our own mental health? Because it's there's been a shift in how people want to be treated in the workplace, and certainly uh, as a profession that can be very taxing, um, I think there are a lot of people who just decided to leave. And so, going into 2023, having this emphasis within a team environment as leaders, Rachel and Pauline are leaders within our own meetings and events team, and just having that kind of new culture shift within a, a planning function than a meetings and events team. I think it's really important so that you don't that we don't continue this hemorrhage, right? That people do feel safe in their careers. They feel like they're enabled to grow, but enabled to grow in a way that's not going to make them burn out in the next five or 10 years. Yeah. 
I think that that, again, is one of those things that also can manifest into events. You keep tying it back there. But like little small things like the food and beverage you serve, offering a non-alcoholic version of something, offering a decaf version. I just mm. gave up caffeine, which like not not caffeine. Sorry, I gave up coffee because coffee makes me just like super stressed out. I don't know why, but like tea, it works for me. I know that's so dumb, but like little things like that just help kind of the ripple effect of some of the stress that I think we face. I also think that if attendees looking at an, an, an event agenda or an events program, whatever it is, are looking for those activities that can help them with those wellness things that they're trying to, to target in their lives. So if it's more networking breaks or just a break in general from sessions to, you know, do what they need to do, whether it's going to the spa, whether it's going outside, whether it's some sort of workout activation in there, that way that they know you're prioritizing some of their health as well at your events. I know there's a lot of important things that we need, but we're seeing in trends time and time again that people want those offerings at events and they want time to network and do things for themselves so that they're bettering themselves going to events. And that's fair. Like I I see it the same way. I want to make sure that if I'm taking the physical time to go out of the office. I'm going somewhere where one, I'm going to enjoy it. Two, I'm going to learn. And three, I'm going to meet people. So um, with that, I'm going to segue into some of the other leisure things that are happening because I think that this trend is really cool to me. Amen to this trend. Let's keep it going because I will go to any leisure destination for an event that anyone wants to plan for me. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, Mallorca 2023. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that what's in it for me from the attendee perspective, right? In addition to going to, you know, whatever the business objectives are for attending this particular program, it's being able to carve in, leverage some of that health and wellness perspective and say, how do I double down and make this impactful for me as a business person, but also as an individual as a traveler to understand the destination. I think, you know, those of us in the industry who are sourcing, we kind of owe it to ourselves to experience things on the tail end or the front end of a trip because it only affords us more opportunity to say, oh my gosh, this would be a great experience if I incorporated it into this program. So it's kind of that opportunity of seeking inspiration or maybe stumbling upon inspiration that I think leisure lends itself to. But I don't think it's a new trend, right? Like this has always been a part of you know, the meetings and events industry. It's tacking on the first couple of days for a golf trip, right? Or tacking on the latter end of the program to hit up the spa or, you know, the fam trip experience in general, right? Like all of that is very much of this sort of leisure notion. So I'm with you, Rach. All the leisure going forward. <laughs> I think that hotels should be thrilled that this is like a reemerging trend. I think it's like something we we note and we say, oh, it's really great that this event is in this location or this property. This gives the opportunity for the attendees. But I think more and more planners are seeking out those other other venues um, I, because of just what we said at the beginning, like the demand is high. So we're looking at all sorts of venues to host events mm -hmm. now. We're getting creative with our formats. We're looking at leisure. I heard the word workation and I love that so much. Like you, you, you do a little work and then you have a location. <laughs> like... Let's not let this trend die forever. Keep it going. 
Yeah, I think the big the big takeaway for all of this is just like understanding that there's these individuals who are coming and they have individual needs that aren't always associated to business. And I think sometimes the business priorities or maybe in, in some some ways have outweighed the individual's needs. And now we're kind of striking this balance because we know that individuals want their downtime, too. And it's kind of part of this health and wellness focus is that people are just saying, like, I've had enough of back to back. 30 minute sessions all day, jam packed where I can't breathe. You shove some snacks in front of me as I was out the door and on to the next thing, right? Like they want that time to, they want time for themselves. It's not downtime to answer emails. It's downtime to go to the spa, right? Like it's, it's a different way of thinking about it where we're turning on and off the needs to do business and the needs for ourselves a little bit yeah. more. And I think all of that's just very much pandemic tied, but we're moving on and moving past. And I, I, these are things that aren't changing, which is really interesting and certainly will impact and affect sourcing behavior as well. I, I think um, just on the, the sourcing side of things, it's more for me, like, yes, pleasure. And I make a bunch of jokes about this. That's all great. But I think the other underlying trend here is like looking at those special venues and the formats changing around those. So you know, do I have my event at outdoor concert venue and change up how people network? Let's get people out of the the mindset of just doing, you know, theater and a presentation. I think yeah. that especially with the surge of events coming back, you're going to have to be new and fresh and testing out things next year. Otherwise, people are going to come to your events and think, oh, it's just the same song and dance. Nothing wrong with the same song and dance. We get a lot of business done there. I'm just saying, I think one of the trends is going to be using these unique settings to kind of transform events into something else. I think we're going to yeah. need to get really creative with some of the things that we're doing, especially if there's not space available because it's going to be all booked next year. So I, I think that that trend is is interesting to kind of note as these special event venues, especially and then like smaller meetings for luxury events. Like I think a lot of those can be in these blazer locations or special event venues, et cetera. So I think we're going to see a lot of that next year. So I I think we've gone through most of the high high trends. There's a bunch in the ebook that that we've released, but before we kind of close today's podcast, I want to just ask all my amazing hosts here for some of the things that we're thinking about at the end of the year and as we go into 2023. I know we just gave you guys a rundown of what we already think for trends, some of the major trends, but maybe some advice from us as we close out the year, I think would be nice. I'm feeling a little nostalgic for our for a season that we just had. So I'm going to start with either Alyssa or Paulina, you guys, whichever one wants to go first. We hosted some really awesome customers last week. We did a couple of different roundtable events that were just kind of gauging what their priorities are moving into 2023. Very large organization. So take that with a grain of salt. But certainly they kind of set the tone and the pace for what is possible, even within a smaller meetings and events program. And the one thing, and it's really like, it's not, a, it's not, the sexiest of answers here, but a lot of them were talking about getting their house in order. Um, and what they mean by that is really focusing heavily on their processes. I heard policy was a four letter word for one organization, so they don't want to say that. Really getting focused on getting organized in the structure and the framework and the way they go about managing their meetings and events program from the sourcing, from the attendee experience, end to end how the, the whole meetings and events process flows within their organization 
is really important because what I think we learned over the last two years was that this whack-a-mole approach or kind of an ad hoc, somebody told me to do an event and it happened and we didn't really quantify it or we know it went well, right? Like the, the it went well data set can't work anymore because there is more focus on the meetings and events program, because there is an expectation that these things drive value now. And so what I found really, really interesting was it was kind of like we can't run before we have the, the process in place, before we have the operation. So my big takeaway, and this wasn't necessarily a trend we discussed, but in order to kind of seize the opportunity of all of these trends is to give your business process, your meetings and events operations, a once over, a twice over, and see if the way that you're running things is working for you, because there's there's definitely room for improvement. And it's an area where technology can help too. So it's a shameless plug that like Cvent is here as a means to help support you and do and capitalize on all these types of trends so that you can kind of be the best event professional that you need to be. I think that was beautifully put, Alyssa. I think if I could just add sort of a, well, one, I want to give it to huge kudos because almost 30 episodes in what was a really wild year. I know we, we start each episode with what's going on in the wild, wild world of events. It literally has been a wild world of events. And bonus, we had almost 30 episodes of a podcast. So I, I just, I'm really excited We're about We're still all here. <laughs> We're still standing. We're still here. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, just to kind of extend a little bit from sort of a people manager perspective of what Alyssa was saying, she was speak- speaking very much so about taking stake of, of house, right? Housekeeping process procedure. I think at the same time, um, there's very much a conversation around team alignment, resourcing, understanding, you know, bandwidth limitations. I think what I found to be a really interesting change from working exclusively remotely to return to office is that I have different thresholds of what I can get done at home versus what I can get done at the office and need to take that into consideration from a planning perspective, you know, what does the volume of programming look like and how do we prioritize that? To your point, Alyssa, we can't say yes to every program. Right. And when we're able to articulate this prior to prioritization exercise, I feel like it has that ripple impact for time management for our teams, specialization around certain skill sets, right? We're able to take stake and say, okay, we've got three team members who excel at managing and, and executing in-person events. And we've got two team members who are extremely efficient and equipped to support virtual event programs, right? I think that's very much an extension of that policy program approach, but just from the, the human side of it. And if you're someone who's listening that leads a team, it's, it's super important to be very much a part of those procedural conversations and then understanding how to align that to your resource planning. Um, I think just as we think about the daunting volume of events returning, it's always important to keep our people to mind. I think those are all really great. I mean, I said I'm nostalgic because I feel like we talked about so many great things this year. And I think the things that stick out to me is really what we've aimed to do on this podcast, I think, is ele- well, not only elevate the event professional event marketer and, and, and hospitality voices, but, you know, just talk about the different roles that we play. We have talked about so many different things this year. And I think that if you look back at our different trends and topics that we talked about, we cover, and I I think that my colleagues in the industry are 
probably feel similar, but we cover this wide spectrum of expertise that is very unique and very crazy. Like just think that we have all these hats that we have and we wear daily. And so I, I'm very proud to work with a team here at Cvent that takes chaos and turns it into creativity, takes this overwhelmed bandwidth and churns out, you know, awesome events. Do we have work to do? Of course, every planning team does. But every year I feel like we step up and we think through, okay, this isn't working, being really honest with feedback. I know there's a lot of people that don't like hearing feedback on their events. They think their events are perfect. And that is absolute BS. Your events are never perfect. They can always change. You can always take attendee feedback and, and morph it. And I think that what's hard for us is that maybe as event professionals, we know that, but maybe our management team doesn't. And so the hardest challenge I think we have every year, not just going into 2023, but is figuring out what, what gets actually attributed or ROI, however you want to call it within your organization, but what actually gets attributed as business as a result of events and translating that to the business lens and then translating that to prioritization for next year. Because I'll give you guys an example. Going into 2023, we have, like Paulina said earlier in the podcast, we have similar headcount and a huge budget for for, for you know <clears throat> programming of our, our events and we have to be creative about how we prioritize that so i would say for event props out there you need to look at what's performing well and then be honest with your leaders about what is performing well you can't just add an event because you want to have a fun event you have to have that roi and smarts about it without jeopardizing the attendee experience of course but I would say just my biggest thing and advice for next year is that attribution to prioritization um, and really leveraging that data to prioritize what events are worth it, what events are maybe worth recreating to be a different beast or a different type of tactic to get your what your attendees actually want. Rach, just to like add on to that, I had written down while Paulina was speaking, it's like, like a conversation around empowerment, right? And it, it like having your house in order, understanding your resources planning, understand the metric understanding how to talk upwards, right? And to tell that story answers these like two very simple words, which, which is why are you doing your programs and how are you going to get them done? It's the why and the how. Yeah. And that's like, it sounds so simple, but that's a lot easier said than done. And I think that really is what we're all trying to get at in this industry and in this career is that place of empowerment so that we can communicate the value that meetings and events bring and the function that, that the business and the function that it's driving. So, yeah. yeah. Oh my Turning gosh. Work. Awesome. That's great. I feel inspired now. I'm going to go crank out 2023 planning after this. I'm going to go fight for my budget. <laughs> okay. Well, I got to put these back on because we're closing now. So before we close and for you listening and not watching the video, I'm wearing some very aggressive uh, antler sunglasses. I'm not really sure how to describe them. Reindeer. Um, <laughs> reindeer face. All right. Well, before we close, I want to give a huge shout out to our avid listeners. Um, I just want to thank everybody for joining us on our podcast this year. We really hope that you are able to tune in from us from time to time. Hopefully laugh at our silly antics like wearing reindeer face glasses. And I really hope that most importantly, you were able to learn from us and all of our guests that we had on the show. Huge, huge thank you to all of our guests. We had some amazing ones this season. So it's really been a pleasure from all of us hosts to be able to share our thoughts and highlight some great events and trends, hear from so many different experts. 
And I'm sad to end this. It's such a fun first season. We're really excited for next year. Uh, just some housekeeping. If you missed any of episodes this season, they're all available for you to watch or listen to. Catch up on all your podcast channels. We talked about trends today. We will share that ebook as a resource for you as well uh, at the end. And then, you know, just a shout out to our season kicking off in February. It's just a few short months away. But if you have any topics or people you'd like us to add to our 2023 season, DM us on LinkedIn or Instagram or send us a note at greatevents at cvent.com. So I'm Rachel. Thanks for joining us for our last episode and have a very happy new year. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Ooh, is now when we sing Jingle Bells? Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. <laughs> and end scene. Going to get wine. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Great Events, a podcast by Seabun. If you want more resources on how to make your events great, go to community.cvent.com. That's community.cvent.com. Or if you've got a question for us or just want to say hi, email us at greatevents at cvent.com.